This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook is all about building towards a greater tomorrow. So I asked product designer Carla Cole where she sees Facebook going into the future. In the future, I see Facebook uh, as a part of a lot of people's day-to-day lives. And I think that it'll only get better. I think it's, you know, it's only up from here. And um, I think we're going to be even more a reflection of the audience that we that we serve. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Vox Media is looking for a platform design director. Jopwell is looking for a lead designer. And here at Revision Path, we're looking for design writers as well as a brand marketing strategist. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, it's that time of year again, time for our audience survey. You know, we've grown a lot over the past year, and we conduct an audience survey to learn more about you and about what you think about the show. So head on over to revisionpath.com forward slash survey to take that. It should take about five to 10 minutes to complete it. Plus, everyone who submits the survey will be entered into a giveaway for a $100 amazon.com gift card. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash survey. The survey ends on May the 1st. Now let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Join more than 15 million people who use MailChimp to not only send emails, but to grow their businesses on their own terms. Start sending professional-looking newsletters to your clients today for absolutely free. MailChimp, send better email. When you have a great idea for a project, you need to give it a great domain name. And guess what? Finding the perfect domain is super easy with Hover. You know, domain names aren't just for websites. You can also use them to create a more professional, on-brand email address. I mean, if you've already got the domain that you want, why not just go the extra step with your email address, you know? And if you need a hand, Hover's awesome support team is right there to help you. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's hover.com forward slash revision path. Hover, domain names for your ideas. SiteGround's hosting services are crafted for professional business or enterprise projects. So whether you're building something custom or you're using a CMS like WordPress, SiteGround lets you build better, faster, safer websites more easily, and they offer multiple hosting options that your websites can grow into. And we've got a fantastic deal for you. Visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. Now for this week's interview. 
I'm talking with animator Tynesha Foreman. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. All right, my name is Tynesha Foreman. I am an animator. Um, I currently animate for The Atlantic. Um, and I also do illustration and design. The Atlantic, nice. We actually had someone on the show. This was, oh God, this was last year. I don't know if, I don't know if you were there when he was there, uh, but but uh, Daryl Crooks, he was the former, I want to say what? art director, creative director. He was on the show. I don't know if you were there when he was there though. I, I don't think I was. I would have known that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like working at the Atlantic? What are, Can you talk about some of the stuff that you have been working on? Oh, yeah, it's been really amazing experience. I would never have thought that I would like it would lead me all the way back to back to Atlantic. But like the like people you interact with is like the story they tell is amazing. And you kind of feel a little bit intimidating, like trying to like visualize their the stories they tell. Uh But like, I don't know, it's been amazing working for that. And it's been a learning experience, too, because, um, you know, just just being fresh out of school, (laughs) a lot of the stuff that. I remember doing was, you know, very straight up from out of your head kind of narratives, like just think think something up, like, you know, fa- fantasy kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? But, you know, you're working with like real stories and like real things that happen in the real world. And, you know, it's a little bit intimidating. You're like, how do I, you know, how do I even go about telling this person's story correctly? Or is it even possible to visualize this? And it's working out so far and it's been really awesome working on that kind of stuff. Now I got a chance to look at your website and look at your style, which I, I am in love with your style. Like it's very, I, I get this like nineties, John Crick Falusi, Ren and Stimpy kind of vibe from it. Yeah. Yeah. I get the, the Johnny K stuff uh, quite a bit. I think the big thing, like it, it used to be the first thing on my website, but I think there was a, it was an Eric Andre kind of fan art thing and I think I did it in the style of John Kay and somebody's somebody came to me and just like it's written it's different, but first. I was like yep that that was the plan so how how do you sort of mold that style which as you mentioned in your in your bio that you have this proclivity for the grotesque how do you mm-hmm. meld that into something so traditional and stayed like the Atlantic I think it's, you kind of look at it as like there's kind of like strangeness in everything <laughs> It sounds really basic, but I guess what I mean by that is like exaggeration in design is something that's really important to me. And I think like firstly, anything that's grotesque has that automatically, like whether it be like medical illustration, like really strange detailed medical illustration or like abstract art, it's very exaggerated. And I think that's something that's really cool to try to communicate through editorial work because you have to exaggerate in order to like get somebody's point across sometimes, you know, like, like who's going to know how to visualize, I don't know, somebody's sports career, you know, somebody's career, or how, how do you visualize uh, racism or how do you visualize this or that? And like thinking about how exaggerated things are in work that is gross or strange, I think helps me a lot. Yeah, there was one video piece I saw that you did for the Atlantic. Um, I think it was about flower. That might have been that might have been Jackie Lay's piece. Um, oh no, no, wait, no, you're right, you're right. It was the <laughs> I can't. I've, we've done so many things that I can't remember. <laughs> can't, 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 can't. 
You're right. We're right. Yeah. It was for frames. It was, I think we interviewed people at, um, uh, we just, you know, got a bunch of interviews and people, we just let people talk about whatever they wanted to. And you're right. You're right. So with something like that, I mean, you know, again, this is a story that is very, you know, kind of, I don't want to say boring, but it's kind of bland on its, on its surface. It's like it's flower. Um, right. How do you like, like walk me through how you approach a project? Like say there's a story that, that comes through at the Atlantic and they want you to create a video piece for it. Walk me through that process. Well, a lot of it is we get, um, it can be whether it's like somebody's just somebody's video or if it's like actual video, we all sit down together, both producers and designers. And we sit down and we're like, you know, we look at the story first. We look at what kind of story they're trying to tell. And through that, through that, we pick apart like any points that sound interesting. Like for the flower one example, it's like you said, it's a pretty, he's talking about bread. <laughs> he's talking about bread. But you want to communicate the passion that the person is trying to express, you know, through that. And like, that was a pretty, you know, pretty simple piece in that you, we just, we just go through and try to like pick point parts of his thesis, like whether he's talking about bleaching flour or something like that. And, you know, it sounds really boring on the surface. So, so what you do is you spice it up with action. And I think that's something that's magic about animation. It's just like, you can make any tiny little thing seem exciting. Like, I think at some points we make the little, you know, little strands of wheat dance and, and things like that. So it's just bringing to life you know, what the person, you know, the person feels excited about bread, we got to make the viewer excited about bread. <laughs> so that's kind of how we go about it. <laughs> how did you first get involved with animation? Like what, what's influenced you to start down this road? Well, I think I'm going to be straight up. I was always about cartoons. I was attached to the TV. I would just like, for hours being like the big cartoons, like, like you, like you said, the Ren and Stimpy, the, the, uh, Rocco's Minor Life, like all that Samurai Jack, like I was attached to all that kind of stuff. Like just being able to pull insane ideas out of thin air and make them move, like bring it to life. I was like, gotta do that. Gotta do that somehow. I don't know how, <laughs> but I gotta do it. <laughs> and so I guess, you know, when you had that, that notion to want to do it, how did you, I guess, start? I mean, I know you eventually went to, to college for it, but were you working on things in, in middle school and high school? Like, how did how did that come about? Well, I gotta, I really got to thank my mom for that because when I was a kid, like, all I would do is, like, just go around and draw. I think, like, one of my earliest memories of drawing something is being over my grandmother's house and, like, just drawing. <laughs> it's going to sound really weird, but, like, drawing, like, if there was, like, a dead animal across the street like just doing weird life drawings and you know I'd always want to show uh you know show my mom and she's like I, I don't know how we're gonna do it but we got to get you into art programs <laughs> so it was like stuff that like it began like when I was in elementary school like rec center art shows or like I don't know little community community things you know like we'd go and you know the kind of art that you see in the malls that elementary school kids do all that kind of stuff yeah and then, um, you know, it usually stick to that, just like art classes and doing stuff on my own. And then I got really lucky in high school. Um, there was this uh, magnet school called uh, the Governor School for the Arts. And I had found out about it late. I was like, whoa, there's this place you go and you just go to school and just draw. I want to go there. <laughs> and so I uh, tried out for that. And by some miracle, I made it. And uh, I've been really just from then on just pursuing art. Um, 
since then. And it became animation when I started going to the magnet school. Like I didn't know how I was going to get into animation before then, but then I discovered that it was possible. <laughs> Did you see many other, I guess, animators that were like you? Um, it took a while actually. Um, I didn't really know that someone uh, like in my position could, could even become an animator. Um, when I was younger, I noticed that like a lot of anything having to do with animation, all those people were in California. And I, and I thought to myself, I was like, how am I going to get to California? You know, I'm like, 14. I'm just like, I don't know how this is possible. I don't know how I'm going to do it. So regardless of if I knew or not, I just tried to practice it myself any way I could. I didn't really know too many people that even knew about things like Flash or uh, animating programs. So I didn't see that many until I went to that magnet school. And then I noticed that people actually do use, you know, do computer animation in, you know, Norfolk. Like people knew about Flash and, you know, it seems really naive and, you know, I, I must seem like a hermit, but like I really didn't think it was possible unless you lived in California. I know that a lot of the animation studios, a lot of the big ones at least are out there, you know, DreamWorks, Pixar, et cetera. Is that kind of where you want to head in the future? Well, that's where I thought, I, like, when I was younger, like, in the teens, that's where I thought that all animation was. I thought it was all Pixar, DreamWorks, uh, Disney. I thought that was the only place to go. And then, and that was my path of, for a lot of high school until I noticed that, like, everything is animation. Like, commercials are animation. Like, people do it, you know, making independent um doing what I do now is animation and like I think that kind of I kind of discovered I don't want to say it was limiting thinking about trying to only be a DreamWorks person because those people make amazing things but I realized that you have a little bit more freedom I guess like trying to pursue um different areas of animation that aren't just you know feature films you know I mean I think it's good that you saw that Early on, you saw that the the talent that you have, you're able to extrapolate that into different things. Uh, one thing that I always tell people about design is that, you know, I'll get clients and people that will tell me, oh, well, I'm not a designer. I'm not a designer. But I tell them that everything that you've interacted with since birth has been designed. Exactly. You have, like yeah. an innate knowledge and interaction with design. Someone just has to kind of pull it out of you. Like we all kind of intrinsically know when something has been poorly designed you know we can, we can just tell yeah you you have you kind of have an instinct like as a as a human like there everybody has a sense of you know everybody has a sense for aesthetic i guess is what i how i put it so like i think i think you're right it's just like becoming a designer or becoming a animator is just all about just like training harder in that because you already kind of have an idea of what you like to look at you know mm -hmm. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, I know that there's always been a lot of talk, you know, just kind of, I guess, mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry in general about representation. Certainly, I think anybody that has, unless you've been living under a rock for the past 10 years, <laughs> animation and comics have become such a mainstay in just our general entertainment, movies, TV shows, etc. cetera. Um, mm -hmm. But with that, there's always a lot of talk about representation, you know. Um, yeah. You know, where are the black people? Where are the Asian people? Where are the, you know, Hispanic mm -hmm. people, et cetera? 
And as I, as I mentioned earlier, you said in your bio that you really, you describe yourself as a strange animator with a proclivity for the grotesque. And I, you know, I'm going to put, you know, your links in the show notes for this, uh, for this episode. But when you look at your reel, it's very much, I don't want to say not black people. I don't want to put it that way, but it's very much a different kind of style. Do you feel like a need to create characters that speak to you in that way? Or is it just, do you not feel that way? Like in the terms of speaking to me as a black woman? like Yeah. Well, like the way I look at it is if it comes up, it comes up. Like I'm not going to avoid it, mm-hmm. but like whatever, however I feel is like, how I feel like if I feel one day, it's just like, I just want to do a short about monkeys exploding. Like, <laughs> I'll, I <wanna> do <laughs> you know, I'll have that thought. And it's just like, I just see it clearly on my mind. I want to do it. Now, that's not to say that, like, I don't feel, like, passionately about that stuff. Like, there are a couple pieces in my portfolio, like, illustrations that, like, do, that I think do speak to, like, how I feel, like, as, you know, as a Black person in in the United States. Like, I don't know. Like, whatever grabs my passion is what's going to come up. And, and sometimes it is, like, about how I feel as a Black person or about what what's happening to a happening to us in america you know Mm -hmm. like what my work is is just it's tanisha foreman you know that includes being black and that also includes drawing eyeballs all the time (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i wasn't you know asking that in a in a negative way i know that sometimes you know designers or artists or etc there can be you know particularly black artists designers there can sometimes be this this need to create something quote unquote for the culture you know what i mean Right, right, right. And that's, and that's not to say that their work doesn't in some way already speak to that, but it's like, oh, well, how come you're not making something about blank? So that kind of thing. Right, right. I think I think with that, it kind of makes me sad that, like, because there, there's such a, like, plethora of, like, Black artists, that there's such a plethora of subject matter that they, that these artists, like, approach, whether it be, like, something that's for the culture or if it's just be something that they, they're just passionate about and like I feel like as a as a black artist there are those expectations that are put on you which which sucks because you're judged it's like you're damned if you do or you don't kind of thing yeah which which really sucks because then that puts more pressure on the people that it's that people the people that do do the strictly like for the cultural stuff or it's just like this very passionate black power stuff and then they get judged for like not trying to you know, branch out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's bull. That's bull bird. <laughs> it's like, I think that's, that's one of the things I feel like holds people back is that they have that fear about how they're going to be judged as, you know, they're going to be judged by their identity, whether they make stuff about their identity or not. Do you have that fear? Um, a, li- a little bit. I, I, I feel like I do. I feel like that comes, unfortunately it comes with the territory kind of stuff. And like, and sometimes it's a, you know, sometimes it's really small stuff like, uh, like my name by itself. It's just like somebody, somebody gonna judge me by a name, putting my name at the bottom of this email, or you know, sometimes it's more, it's larger stuff like when I do approach sensitive subjects like about race. I was putting together this um, OJ piece. Uh, we did an interview with uh, Ezra Edelman, and we, you know, we got him to talk about. Um, working on that piece on talk about OJ made in America, talk about OJ. 
So yeah, I do get anxiety over stuff like that because working on that piece, I was like, are people gonna judge me as kind of like this, you know, Uncle Tom kind of <laughs> Uncle Tom's Cabin kind of character? Are they gonna see me as a black person just empathizing? You know, or, like part of my race did play into how people would judge me making a video about race, and with I really, you know, it really bugged me because I, I I was thinking to myself, I was just like, look, you're making this piece, you're making a cool thing, yeah. it's fun. Don't worry about that, you know, <laughs> but it definitely does seep into the way you you approach stuff sometimes, you know, it, I get that anxiety. So, yeah, race definitely plays a part in things. And it sucks when it goes negative sometimes. Sometimes it's really inspiring. Like at the same time, I did feel, you know, that I it's like I could give a voice to this perspective from mm-hmm. a black woman's perspective that that was something that was really positive about the experience and really positive about that but at the same time there is there are those anxieties they do exist (laughs) well i mean i like what you said about you know being able to approach it from that way and knowing that you're a black woman that's kind of contributing to it because you don't really see that many black women in animation i mean i'm thinking and when i say animation i'm also kind of branching out i think you know a little bit here into like comic books and things like that only because it feels like those two are influenced, but when I think about, um, oh my God, this happened, I think it was last year, this happened when uh, Roxanne Gay was tapped to like write something for Marvel, and it was like, oh, she's the first black female writer for Marvel, and you're like, in how many decades? <laughs> right. And that happened, and then like, I think it was, a, it was a World of Wakanda book, it was her, and then there was a, a black woman that was uh, illustrating, I think it might have been a four Richardson, it might've been someone else, but then you're like, you're thinking like, how has it went this long? And these are the first few. I know there's gotta be more out there. Because like, I think, because, okay, here's the thing. Like I remember going to school and like, and even even when I was in high school, I was the, the token, you know, I was like the token black chick in class. But like, I did go to college and it was still, you know, it was still not as many of me out there, but there were, they did exist. Like other, these really awesome, black chicks making cool shit there you know there's uh, these other black chicks making really cool things like a, one of my closest friend is like she's amazing illustrator she makes these crazy creature things and i'm just like yeah and then i get into you know i get into the world and you know as it goes there's not a lot there still isn't a lot of me out there <laughs> like you know to be fair where i work now it's it's relatively a small conglomerate but like even you know even so like you go on these websites of like all these you know uh, big animation studios and there'll be one here you're, there'll be one out of 20 or there'll be one out of 30 you know there'll be another one in there and it's just like that can't be right i know so many cool ones out there you know what do you think is is happening you think it's just they're not getting the chance or, or what do you think is, it is it's contributing oh, to that I'm, I'm sure there's like many factors and you and there's part of you because it's 2017 there's part of me that wants to be like it still can't be that you know, you see a name Shaquanda and you're like, no, it still can't be that, right? <laughs> you know, you, you think to that, you think to that extent, but, you know, I'm sure to some extent that does play, like, whether it be conscious or unconscious, there's that, you know, that judgment. And there's, and I think another thing that, that might, that might contribute to it is that Black women themselves might feel nervous about it. They might, they're, they, you know, they'll get hired for this job. And I know I definitely think to some extent, like, God damn it! Now I'm representing a black woman. It's just like if it, if this doesn't go right, you know, they might judge another 
a Tanisha down the line and be like, eh, this other Tanisha didn't work out well. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's like, and I say it, and it's just, it's not like I think about that, like, all the time, but, like, it comes up in terms of, you know, thinking about other uh, black women and black women entering the animation field. Maybe another a contributor might be just like being exposed to this kind of stuff, you know? It took me a while and I really can't say for other people, you know, people learn whatever the way they want, but like it took me a while to even know that there were these other commercial studios out there that there were stuff that that there was stuff besides, you know, working for uh Dreamworks or there was stuff besides just working for this or that you know there there was so much out there and it took me a while to even know that and I think that might be part of it you know is that some people just you know don't know to the extent of how like broad the animation world is how did you end up finding out about did you have any mentors or anything uh yeah for sure like (laughs) when I got um when I got to school like I like freshman year me was definitely like at a loss a little bit because you know it's part of me just realizing that like not not thinking that I wouldn't get to that California state it's just like I don't really want to do this you know I don't really want to do the Pixar thing so I don't know what I'm gonna do I want to do animation for sure but I have no idea and then I was open to the world of like stop motion and I was like what is this what is this amazing medium like things you know kind of like that stuff they do at like Leica and things like that um have you ever seen the paranorman though that was definitely a big inspire for me in terms of yeah yeah um but i didn't i didn't know that it was possible to do that not only as an individual but like through other mediums like people use like i think just discovering those new mediums in school definitely helped well let's talk about school for a little bit so you went to micah um, mm-hmm. Maryland Institute. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna get the acronym wrong, but <laughs> but you went to Micah. <laughs> Maryland Institute College Art. You were you had it. You okay, had it. I was almost there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about what your time was like there. Oh man, it was. I was I was definitely, you know, free to do whatever the heck I wanted, which I did not expect. I was like the, the our freshman year was like. It was like, all right, here are all these mediums, and I was just, I was just like, I get get to play around and just do do art, and they were just like, yep, <laughs> just play around, do what you want to do, and yeah. So the freshman year was definitely like an amazing like introduction into not not just the world of animation, but the world of like st- storytelling and the world of like more abstract mediums and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I got a lot out of that freshman year. Um, but then I think it really, I think I really start to develop as an animator in my junior year. No, yeah, yeah, junior year. Um, because we had, um, well, oh yeah, these uh, two professors and they're, they were really great and they're, they're independent filmmakers and they, they basically taught us all we need to know about being able to communicate through animation. <laughs> like if I can, that sounds really broad, but I think without without that moment, without those times in junior year, without them teaching us how to do that, I don't think I'd be at the same place I am now. And so with, you know, kind of going through school, it sounds like that is what kind of honed you to where to what you're doing now. It really was the the um, kind of the playground, like where you could have the space to decide what it is that you want to do in terms of the type of animation you want to do or where you want to go. Right. For sure. It was a pretty good, pretty good experience. 
Yeah, I'll say, I'll say. I, I think I really, I really didn't know what to, I, I'll be honest in saying I really didn't know what to expect going to art school, to be honest. It was, it was quite a gamble. Like, I'm just like, how do you, how do you teach art? How do you teach animation? How do you teach this to someone? Like, how do you teach something so subjective to somebody? Mm-hmm. And um, the way you learn is just through exper- experimenting. Like, I, that's that's how I learned. And like, I think in terms of teaching someone, like there is definitely the technical, but I think I really was able to to learn and get to where I am through just experimenting and kind of a little bit of self-taught stuff, <laughs> you know, just being curious. I think that was a big thing that I took from school. Are there any particular qualities that you think somebody needs to have if they want to be proficient as an animator? Um, the ability to adapt. <laughs> That's something that I think everybody should should get a hold on because like there can be one tiny thing in the way you animate something or one tiny thing in the way you put together a narrative that can change the piece overall with animation because it's so, there's so many elements that you have to put in it. Like there's the design of it. There's the actual like way you animate something. There's the technical uh, technical parts. There's sound design. There's so many elements to it. So being able to adapt and like, and kind of like learning a little bit of everything, I think. Like you don't have to be like a top down, a top sound designer and a top animator, but like knowing a little bit of the nuance of sound design or knowing a little bit of the nuance of like just graphic design, like I think it's really important. So, you know, you have this I keep saying proclivity for the grotesque because you mentioned it in your bio and I just love that words together. But where does that appreciation come from? You said you started out you know, kind of sketching like dead animals and stuff. Is that where it came from, from that? I think that's definitely a big part of it. I think, like, I look at that and that's like the period, the purest way I can put it is just like, I think part of it is also that my family, like my mom's a nurse and a lot of people like that, I, that a lot of my family, they've been around, you know, medicine and like, I think that leaked into my art a little bit, like just knowing how something works, like knowing the inner workings of something. And you kind of got to get gross to like learn that kind of stuff, you know, (laughs) you kind of got to get dirty to like learn how somebody's body works. So (laughs) I think that leaked into my art through that for sure. Are there any other kind of designers or, or animators out there that you admire? I know, you know, we mentioned before, um, John Kay, that your style kind of looks like that. I don't know, is he some someone that influences you? Who who do you really kind of go for? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh man, that I could. I'm, I'm so bad at this question because there's so many people. Like it's really dependent on mood. Like who who draws, you know, who comes first to that list. But oh, another animator that I really draw inspiration from, Felix Felix Cosgrave. Okay. He does very. Um, very very weird work it's like it's like when i look at his work it's it's really his own thing and it's just strange and it breaks the rules of the way things are animated and like i just i love his work that's one for sure um another person that inspires me a lot uh syriac harris um he does a lot of uh after effects animations uh which it's, it's funny because I remember being younger and I, I would not have thought 
of that as an area of animation. But so what he does is a lot of like photo collage, like very strange, gross photo collage animations. And it's really, it's really awesome, really bizarre. Um, those are two of the big ones. I'll say that. <laughs> you get me going on for hours and hours. <laughs> Who would you love to collaborate with? And it doesn't necessarily have to be another artist, but maybe like a brand or something like that. Who would you like to do work for? Um, oh, I definitely think a big one in that list is any conglomerate of Adult Swim for sure. <laughs> okay. Because a lot of the a lot of the stuff they do is like rather crass and um, and I'm all about the crass. <laughs> I'm all about the the stuff that goes over the line. And they've, they've honestly been a big inspiration for me. A lot of the cartoons that came out of there, I, I grew up, you know, staying up till one, watching those strange adult swim cartoons. So <laughs> any chance to work with them, I'd be over the moon. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, they're right down here in Atlanta. Come on down. I know, exactly. I saw on your bio that was just like Atlanta, Georgia. I was just like, oh, snap. <laughs> 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 That's where I want to be. That was really cool to see that. <laughs> Are you working on any kind of like personal projects? I know you you know you're doing your work for for the Atlantic, and I, I saw your website and your reel and everything. But do you have like a personal project that you want to put out? Oh man, uh, there's a lot. I love I love to work on stuff on the side because it's like you take what you learn from work or what you learn from a class, whatever. And I love to just apply it in any way I can. God, there's so many things I like to work. I I want to put out like this um, faux claymation thing that's kind of like about like have you heard the news about the discovering the new planets the new seven habitable planets yeah that are like, the, like the trappist or something yeah, oh, yeah yeah i wanted to do like and like kind of uh create those planets and like create these weird little characters out of those planets like do a little bit of research and create like these funny little gifs of these planets orbiting this new star um so that's one thing i would definitely am trying to trying to get out there um but other than that i just whatever weird thing pops into my head i want to try to imagine it <laughs> what keeps you motivated and inspired with the work that you do i mean it, it sounds like you get a lot of inspiration just from real life in general <laughs> yeah that that's something that i wouldn't like that's definitely true. Like I do get a lot of inspiration from real life and i would not like me 5 years ago would not have thought to say that like but it's so true, like, just the strange things that you see, like, there's sometimes where I, like, just look at my hand, I was just like, what if I was able to animate this strange, long-fingered monster? Like, anything that sparks, like, I just, I don't know, I, I guess I could say that I love distorting reality, so any chance to do that helps, and whether it comes through life drawing or through a story that I hear, um... But yeah, um, I think a huge inspiration for me, though, that sometimes I forget to talk about is music. And like, I think as long as there is something interesting for me to listen to, I'll never run out of stuff to do. <laughs> what kind of music? Um, I love hip hop. I'm all about it. Like, like uh, for the past week, I've just been binge listening to To Pimp a Butterfly on repeat. Okay. Um, but yeah, hip hop for sure, uh, electronica, um, those are big inspirations. And I think electronica for the reason that it's just so based on instrumentals and like something that has a really, anything with like some kind of, you know, uh, simple beat or something, 
I don't know. I think animation lends itself really well to music because of like motion and music just go hand in hand. So I think electronica is really good for that. And with rap, like a lot of rap tells such a like deep narrative and like you can pull so many visuals out of rap. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But uh, yeah, those are the two big ones. Now there's someone that I um, interviewed. This was back in, I think 2014. Uh, he's a, He's a motion graphics designer. He does a lot of um, like the titles, like you see animated titles for movies and hip hop. I forget the the specific name of that type of designer, but he does that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, since then, he's like moved on. He's done some film stuff. He did a lot of the design work behind Atlanta, the TV show that was on FX. That's awesome. His name is, uh, is Xavier Ruffin. I feel like your style and his style could in some way work together on like a music video or something. Well, I gotta connect with this dude, I tell you. Because <laughs> he's done, I'm trying to remember some of the artists he said he's done work for. I know he said Riff Raff, Ti, what? Um, maybe some some others. I can't think of off the off the top of my head, but I mean he is always like yeah. steady working. He's in Japan doing this. He's in LA doing that. He's originally from Milwaukee, but like his work takes him to all these places around the world and stuff. So I could just see that because I, you know, he does a lot of motion graphics work. You do a lot of animation. Uh-huh. I would like to see just more animation uh-huh. in videos and stuff. For sure. um, like when you see it, like, you're just like, it's like animation just lends itself so well to music. Cause you can literally do anything like not to say you can't with other medium, but like, it's just, you know, there's, you know, you don't have to worry as much about like the technical stuff. Like if somebody is going to be, you know, on the, sh- at the shoot on time, you know what I mean? You could, yeah. you could just improvise a lot, I think with animation. Now I know you say you're kind of just, you know, starting out kind of fresh out of school. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you're kind of learning about the industry now that you wish you would have known before? Um, I'd say, I, you know, I, I learned a little bit about this in school, but I definitely wish I would have got it a little earlier. But like, what I, I'd like to have known what goes into production, like not just like the art making thing. It's like that's that's definitely important. But like, what goes into like working with a team and what goes into like really communicating an idea? Because I think that's the hardest part is being able to communicate what you want clearly. <laughs> like that's something that I, I mean I've always struggled with, but like. I would have loved to like get like a real like a real good crash course and like how to communicate an idea or how to organize a project properly and all that kind of good stuff. Because I mean the work that you're doing right now with The Atlantic that's kind of more like like editorial information design Mm -hmm. and then a lot of the work that I saw in your portfolio I guess you could say it's more I guess you could say commercial or fantasy type. Sure sure sure. How did those two kind of, how would you compare and contrast those two? I definitely say like with working on the more of like uh, editorial side, there is, you do have to really consider your audience. Not to say that you don't with commercial stuff, but with the editorial side, you really have to consider your audience and like who absorbs the kind of work that you do, who who reads these the Atlantic articles or who um or who would watch this kind of stuff. Um, with the commercial stuff, I think you have a little bit more, a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more about like you a little bit, I, guess, I feel like. <laughs> you have a little more freedom, I guess. A little bit, maybe. yeah. A little, I'd, I'd say that for sure. Like, 
um, <clears throat> with the editorial stuff, it's about, it's a really about communication. Like, I feel like with the, on the other side, or, or even if you're doing stuff on your own, like you're a little bit free to like leave it up to interpretation, you know, but with, uh, informational stuff, it's all about interpretation. Like it's all about being able for someone being able to understand this, you know? So yeah. being really clear and, um, that's something that I've learned a lot within working here because I've always been that kind of like, you know, this is what I do kind of person, you know, it was just like, this is it, this is it plain and clear, take what you will from it kind of person, you know, but like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult. It's a different world editorial, but like, it's definitely refreshing because I think it really helps you communicate because sometimes there is times where with your own work that you want somebody to grasp an idea and like with working with editorial you're really forced to do that you know how do we get that next generation excited about animation what do you what do you think that's going to take i think to get the next generation excited is to like the earlier you expose them to it and the earlier you let them know that it's everywhere and it's in everything i think the better i think that'll get people excited you know like you know what's there to say like it's 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 exciting just by the face of it you know what i mean like there's there's things that you look at and you're just like i have no I, you know i have no conception of how that came to be you know i don't know how that came to be at all and like giving that to a kid and saying this is how you can do it you know what i mean like showing showing a kid that early on and showing them like even if it's a small bit like giving them a little demo in after effects or something it, that'll get a kid excited it definitely would have got 12-year-old Tanisha excited, I tell you. Where do you kind of see yourself in the next, let's say, five years or so? Where do you think you'll be? What do you want to do? That good old question, the five years question. (laughs) 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 Oh, man, that's that's hard. But I'm going to say for now, I'm going to say for now, this is definitely going to, this could change tomorrow, but I'm going to say for now. Okay. um, I'd like to see myself doing music videos. That would be something cool, Like, like to put it simply, like music videos or like, to dive into more of a art director role. I like to see okay. how that's like, like that's something that I'd like to see myself in five years. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's something that I've, I've gotten from the Atlantic is that like the making part is really important to me. Like the making the art part is super important to me. Um, but it's also important to me that I'm able to communicate it to people and like, even if I don't know a medium, I want to be able to like get what's in my head out to someone. And I think art direction would be a really interesting experience in trying to do that. I remember I was listening, it might've been a video I think I was watching where uh, someone was mentioning how, I think it was how they got to start as an animator or how they kind of got started. And it was ironically off of an adult swim bump. (laughs) They heard some audio and they did an animation. I think it was like a boondocks animation of like Huey walking and the city, like, I don't know, reacting to the music behind him as he walked. And, uh, but I see what you mean about how animation and and video can work together. And certainly I could see more. I I just want to see more animation in videos. I think it's just fun. Yeah, really. It's, it's so much fun. Like, seeing it is fun and like to me doing it is fun it's like grueling and you spend hours just staring at a computer but it's so much fun <laughs> so much fun yeah oh man that's really cool about the bump um 
Yeah, I, I definitely feel that inspiration. Like, I think in college, like when I started to, when I learned about the fact that animation was everywhere and it's just like, shoot, I could do a bump or I could like work on this commercial for this really cool thing, you know? Like, I think I, I started to think that way too. I started to just like make band bumps, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. shorts that were, you know, just fun experiments. So yeah, I definitely feel that. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? Oh, well, they can uh, check out my website. Um, nearshotarts.com is my portfolio site. And uh, you can also check out my Twitter. Um, you can just type in my name for the Twitter. It's pretty easy to find me there. Um, at where, where else? Um, you can also go on my Vimeo. I think that's a good spot to find the, for all the uh, motion, you know, motion stuff. Um, uh, that's vimeo.com slash nearshot. Sounds good. Well, Tanisha Foreman, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your, I guess, your vision behind the work that you do. I mean, I, I, I first heard about you from seeing, I think I said I, I saw a piece on The Atlantic. Uh-huh. And I was looking at the credits. I was like, Tanisha Foreman, who is that? <laughs> and I got looked you up and I saw your stuff. I was like, her stuff is really good. Like, it's, it's really good. So I was, I was like, I have to reach out and and try to get her on the show. But no, I mean, I know that you're, you're just kind of starting out in your career. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to hear from people really at all points along their design journey. You know, it's, it's one, it's one thing to hear from people that have been in the game mm-hmm. for 20 years and they can offer their experience. And I think that's, that's great. But I think it's also good to hear from people that are just starting out uh-huh. to know what their perspective is and what they want to see, because you all are coming into you know, this kind of respective industry at a time where there's so much stuff. There's so much inspiration. There's so many tools and things like that. And it can be overwhelming to say, okay, well, where, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? But I mean, it seems like you have such a strong, focused, singular vision in your work. And I am super excited to see where you're going to be in the next so thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm still whew, I'm still worked up. It's been really fun. It's been really fun. Thoughts of love are and that's it for this week. Big thanks to Tanisha Foreman and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Tanisha and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Facebook invests in design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests itself in a number of different ways, such as showing how internal design critiques work at Facebook, sharing resources about VR and other cutting-edge tech, and by giving away great tools and resources like Origami Studio, popular device templates for Photoshop and Sketch, and even diverse hands for mock-ups. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 15 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to grow sales and make money in their sleep. You know, I love how MailChimp has really grown from being, you know, not just an email service provider, but being your one-stop place for marketing your entire business. So aside from sending email, it ties into hundreds of other services like Hootsuite, Zapier, Salesforce, Eventbrite, and many others. Get everything you need all in one place and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp, send better email. 
Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domains. With free private domain registration and your choice of domains across all the 400 plus domain extensions out there, how can you turn that down? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Since 2004, SiteGrounds has been empowering web professionals and beginners alike to build better, faster, safer websites easily without having to worry about hosting. Visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. 60%. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you liked this episode, please do me a huge favor. Subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a minute or two and it really helps bump the show up in the iTunes rankings for Design Podcast. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us at yepitslunch.com for all your design, strategy, and creative consulting needs. And if you like the work that we're doing here with Revision Path, then please consider becoming a patron. You know, now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. Pledge level started just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.